that's a big point for everyone. We want to retire early. We want to achieve financial independence. But everyone goes through their own journey. Well, there's no one-size-fits-all thing. So I, I don't like people shaming other people because they're not at the same stage as what they are. budgeting, cash flow, and investing don't have to be scary words. The We Talk Sense podcast is here to help you learn more about money and take control of your personal finances. The We Talk Sense podcast is not a financial advisor. This podcast is made for entertainment and educational purposes only. All information shared is of a general nature and does not take into account your personal situation. You should consider whether the information is appropriate for your needs and where appropriate, seek professional advice from a financial advisor. For more information, please check out wemoney.com.au slash disclaimer. Hey everyone, welcome again to another installment of We Talk Sense, the Aussie money podcast brought to you by the team here at We Money to help you on your path to financial wellness. Today is Monday, the 9th of May, 2022. Blaze, how are you? Dan, I am... Good, but I could be better because I was almost the victim of daylight robbery. Really? And yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. What happened? Well, okay, as you know, we've had just had a slew of long weekends, so we took a bit of a break from the podcast as we usually do over school holidays, and I thought I'd treat myself to a little Sydney trip. So off I go, having a great time, and foolishly I booked a very early flight home on a Sunday morning. Uh, 7 a.m. is no one's friend on a Sunday morning, especially when it means you have to wake up at 5 to be at the airport. So Saturday night rolls around, I've had a few wines, and I think, you know what? It's time for me to change my flight because I deserve I deserve a later flight. I deserve a sleep in tomorrow. I'd bought a flexi fare, so all I'd have to pay is the difference for the flight cost to move from 7 a.m. to a 1.20 p.m. flight. And guess how much the airline wanted to charge me for a change from the first flight of the day to the second flight of the day. Well, Blaise, having you know, know you so well now, I can almost tell by the sound of your voice to approximate the cost. And I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go 300 bucks. Oh, <laughs> if only, Ooh. if only Ooh. it was $300 more. My word, how much? 845 Wow. Wow. 800 more than the original flight to and from Sydney put together with a flight of ta- to Tassie thrown in there as well. Jeebus. Daylight robbery. Absolutely. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. That is absolutely insane. And uh, like you, Blaze, I also did a bit of travel. And what I did notice is that the airports now are packed. They're fuming with people packed. coming in and out. And, uh, wow, but that that's... I actually never heard of a changing fee being that high. I mean, 100 200 bucks maybe here and there, but 800 man, that is... Yeah. That is... And I, I bought the FlexiFare. I bought the FlexiFare so it would be cheaper to change flights. Hmm. Not not the case. So I will have you know that uh, savvy spender me uh, woke up very, very early that Sunday morning and made it to the airport, especially knowing the cost it would change to the flight. I set about 14 alarms to make sure I was up in time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought I'd rather see 845 staying in my savings than uh, going to the airline's bank balance. So there you go. 
Well, Blaze, hopefully that those wines kicked in and you uh, slept a little bit on the plane as well. I certainly did. Speaking of travel, today we are actually chatting to Joel Kandaya, who you may know listening as the History of Money from TikTok. He's also been on the show a bunch of times. We love having him in. Uh, Joel, we spoke to him just before the school holidays, just before he set off on an adventure of his own. And uh, yeah, Dan, what did you think? He had a really interesting story about money and stress and using money as a bit of a coping mechanism. How did you find that chat with Joel? I found it absolutely marvellous. Uh, Blaze for a number of different reasons. Number one, I think uh, Joel's honesty, the way that he approached his money issues and successes with complete authenticity. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, the real takeaway was his just holistic approach that money, emotional wellness, um, progress in life, our goals and our dreams, they're all intertwined and they Mm -hmm. all relate. And we all go through these issues at some point. It's a debut topic. It's very hard to talk about. And I think Joel wore his heart on his sleeve and delivered a cracker of an episode, which I think is valuable for everyone to listen to because we can all relate to some of the stories that Joel shared. So I loved it. How about you? Yep. Huge fan. And that will be coming up later in the episode. But Dan, as always, it's news time. What are the headlines? Because boom, 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 we need a drum roll. It finally happened. Give us, spill the beans, Dan. What was the big news that we've been ranting and raving about for the last few weeks that finally came to be? Well, Blaze, if you're not listening to this podcast, you're certainly walking up and down hearing either the voice of Scott Morrison or Anthony Albanese talking about the election cycles and probably blaming one another in terms of the state of the economy. But the biggest news, and you know, we've talked about it now for about three to four pods in a row, is, of course, the Reserve Bank increasing the cash rate by 25 basis points to now 0.035%. Can I interject here? Just basis point. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but a basis point is um, like one basis point would be 1%. So a basis point is a representation of each basis point is part of 100. So 25 basis points means up that it's gone up by 25%. Is that correct? The cash rate in Australia was 0.1% and now it's yep. gone to 0.35%. And so one basis point is just one point out of 100. So if okay. if we had a 100 basis point increase, it means we would have gone by up by 1%. So effectively, we've gone up uh, by a quarter of a percentage point this time. All right. Thank you for clarifying, as you were. Well, players, I think this is really big because you know, we've been talking about the potential of a rate increase. And it sounds like what the economists are fearing is that this is just going to be one of many rate increases that Australians are probably going to expect at some point this year. Now, if you tuned into a couple of pods ago, we talked about the impact on mortgage repayments. So every time the Reserve Bank increases or decreases rates, that has an effect on the amount you get charged on products like home loans and credit cards and personal loans. So for everybody out there that has got a mortgage, banks have been very, very quick to increase the rates on variable rate loans almost effective immediately in some cases. So we're going to start seeing the impacts of these rate hikes pretty quickly. And that will obviously decrease the amount that flows in the economy because the more money you pay to the banks basically means less money that you've got in your account, more money that you have Mm. to pay to service your mortgage, which may cause a slowing of the Australian economy as we head into this year. And the reason why the Reserve Bank changes interest rates is to control two things. One, the rate of inflation. So if you've ever been to a shop recently, I went and bought for my wife because she pleaded with me. She always sends me shopping to buy the most expensive stuff, Lowe's. And <laughs> That's <laughs> to, a good strategy. I like to, it. To buy a celery 
and the celery was $7.50, right? And yes, $7.50 for celery, you know, milk, bread, all these other pressures of rising food costs, utilities, fuel, petrol prices, and all that type of stuff means that the Reserve Bank needs to tame the rate of increase of these prices by sucking money out of the economy. And the way they do that is by increasing the cash rate. So it's a big event and there is a prediction that a lot more will come into the future. So, Mm. you know, didn't say that we called it, but we talked about it a lot, but uh, Mm. it's finally here. Psychic Dan at it again. So groceries, I just before I flew out, before I almost spent $845 on a more expensive flight, I received a call from my mum saying, hey, your yogurt has gone up from $5 to $9. So you bet my bottom dollar that my carry-on was stacked full of all the groceries that I hadn't finished when I was in Sydney. Like, I'm not paying $4. So, yeah, I uh, managed to sneak that on in my carry-on because I just thought I can't let that go to waste. The one good thing I would say, uh, the cost of living going up is obviously really, like, quite quite hard. It's a lot to adjust to. But the one good thing is that I would say it's making me really, really aware of how much I'm buying, what I'm buying, and um, wastage. Like, it's making me actually even more so concerned with the amount that I'm wasting and probably leading me to eat a little bit better and eat out quite a bit less because I feel so guilty leaving the house or picking up, opening up Uber Eats when I've got really expensive food just sitting in the fridge, Yeah, you know? 100%. Yeah. The other thing with the cash rate, right, Dan, so interest, variable interest rates on home loans, et cetera, is going up. But does that mean that the savings, the interest rate on my savings accounts could be impacted? Does that mean I could be maybe getting a little bit more yes. each month? Yes. Yep. Yep. 100%. So the flip side is that if you're a saver and if you've got plenty of cash and you're you know investing that into a term deposit or with a bank account that has an interest bearing component to it in Australia, the banks have uh, bowed to the pressure of the government to pass on their savings rates as well. The banks usually yes. and typically is what would happen Blaze, is that they would increase their mortgage rates first and then take a very long time to increase the savings rates for deposit holders. But that has happened almost instantly. So, yeah, big boon for savers uh, that are seeing uh, more money in their accounts now, hopefully, uh, to combat the rising effects of inflation. But for debt holders, the ones that probably aren't optimising for savings, mm. I think... Mm. If you are in that situation, it's now a fabulous time to have a look and review your spending because the reality is the banks could be taking more money out of your account if you've got a very bright loan mm. and that money has got to come from somewhere. So there might have to be some cutting back that you have to look at potentially in order to you know, make ends meet and, and balance their budget. So Revisit your bouget. Revisit the bouget for sure. And don't fear, it's not the end of the world. Uh, because it's only a small increase this time, 0.25, but as we should be aware of when the Reserve Bank is on a rate increase cycle, that it could happen over the course of the next six months, nine months, or 12 months. We've got a bit of time to kind of review budgets um, and look for savings before the, the massive impact comes as rates increase into the future. All right. Be keeping an eye on the interest rates and your budget, budget, budgets. Well, let's say goodbye to the news and hello to today's guest, Joel Kandaya. Let's get into it. Let's do it. (laughs) 
welcoming back the only guest to put up with us three times or no visit us three times we've got Joel Kandaya it's three for three baby he's back again you may remember him from when he dropped by to talk about money obviously that's what we love to talk about on the show here or at the end of last year that's 2021 when we hosted our first ever panel discussion on financial wellness with also the lovely Lacey Filipich now he doesn't really need an intro so you know third time's a charm Welcome back, our favourite coin collecting and coin counting friend, Joel Kandaya from The History of Money. How are you, Joel? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to be back. I feel like we need like some special prize for a three of three, like a like a jacket or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, well, like a little special badge or something I can just put on my shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, com- a commemorative coin. <laughs> yes. That's a great idea. Dan, I said to Joel before... Um, just before we started recording, I, th- I thought, who is this man? I, I, if you're listening at home, you can't see us. Obviously, it's that's the beauty of podcasting. You don't have to see our faces. But I looked in and saw Joel's face and thought, who is this man? Because you're not wearing your iconic Aussie money designed hoodie that um, you wear in almost all of your videos. So I thought, who is this and what have you done with Joel? My money hoodie is currently in my luggage at the moment because I'm off to Melbourne tomorrow. Um, so I got a few things there, you know, going to do a couple of, um, activities, I guess I'm going to record another podcast over there as well. And, um, yeah, meet some people and meet some other TikTokers I've met through the last year and a half, which has been amazing. And so I thought I'll, I'll just let it hide in there and, um, hopefully, um, Qantas doesn't lose it tomorrow across the Nullarbor. <laughs> Hopefully not. That's so exciting, Joel, that um, you're – I remember the first time we spoke, you said you'd been on – now I probably am not going to get this number correctly, but you'd been on 36 flights or something in the year and a half or something leading up to the pandemic. Uh, it was, it something, was like, something crazy. Uh, it was like 81 flights in the threes leading to it. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. So my, and... my, my memory is not quite correct, but points. Yeah, I've um only done six since the pandemic's hit, but it's not not a big deal. It's fine. I've sort of sort of come to come to peace now that um you know quality over quantity, I guess, is the best way of putting it. Yeah, well, there you go. If you don't follow Joel on uh, TikTok or Instagram or wherever you can find him, um, Joel does a lot of coin hunts or uh, fun hunts where you post clues for various locations and. Uh, let your followers find stacks of coins, I should say, that you've hidden about the place. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's sort of a small element of the channel. I sort of just want to get some engagement going on. And so sometimes if I just want to have a bit of fun, I'll just hide 50 or $100 somewhere in Perth or I've done Adelaide and Melbourne beforehand. So, yeah, just a little bit of cheeky hunt and I've got one coming soon as well. So, um, yeah, I haven't done one for a while because I haven't really travelled for a bit. So really excited to do this one um, coming, yeah, coming soon, I guess. Yeah, us too. If you've got any insider tips, Joel, uh, we're, we're all ears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always open to a little hint or tip if you've got them. Now, Joel, the reason we've invited you back today is because we've had you on a bunch of times. We love having you on the show, but we don't actually really know that much about you. You've <laughs> talked to us about seeing absurd amounts of money, $2 million in cash at the Crown Casino. You've shared tips on how to save better using physical cash. You've talked to us about what banknotes are made of and also shared your thoughts on financial wellness and how Australians are feeling about financial wellness as a whole. Mm. But, yeah, Joel... Dan and I really want to actually get to know you and your your own money journey. Have you always been mm. good with cash? 
what's your money story? Where did you start out? How did you end up being the fun, coin-loving, TikTok-dancing, fantastic teacher that you are today? My money story is very interesting and, and it's not how most people get around it, I guess. I, um, when I was a kid, I struggled with my speech massively. Um, mm. Barely spoke, which is very ironic to what's happening right now. Third podcast um, visit, there and, you go. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and so my parents took me to a speech pathologist when I was about five. Mm. And I rem- and from what I remember is that she put a range of stimuli in front of me and it was like a – one of them was a cash register and plane money and I just went straight for that and started talking and and uh-huh. whatever. I wasn't really a mute but I just didn't know really as, as a very young kid to communicate. And so they started building my speech and, and the exercises around that, around that stimuli. And so my parents really got me involved in talking all things money. So it wasn't just really just coin collecting as well. It's just like as I grew older, they got me involved a lot in a lot of financial decision making, which, um, you know, that I learned as a kid, like as, as a, you know, as a primary school kid and a teenager, I was learning a lot of things that I thought everyone should be knowing, but obviously, mm. you know, and even now the kids, kids today, teenagers today don't know and they, they should know. And so, you know, I was in a period of time around my, my childhood years where, you know, my parent, my dad had an electronic repair small business. And then when I was 16, my parents opened, um, our restaurant, which was still going 16 years on now. Wow. So, uh, yeah. And so understanding small business was a big deal and understanding how to get, you know, obtain sources of finance to fund a small business and expand or open a small business and mm. understanding, you know, my parents bought an investment property. And so I understood what's the process behind that and, and saving. And I think, Coming in that sort of Malaysian Asian culture, I guess it's money's a big deal. They, you know, um, Asian cultures are known for the high savings rates. So, well, mm. you know, their savings rates are three, four, five times higher than you know Australian savings rates, right? Is it that and much so, higher? Three? Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. So I, I can't remember the last time the data was accurate, but it was like um, people in Southeast Asia save about thirty percent of their income compared to Australians. Pre-pandemic was saving about eight percent. You know, wow. it, was, it was a very, very low, low amount. And so, and that, I guess that comes from an understanding of the value of money. I remember Dad will always tell me that when my dad left Malaysia to study in the UK, he only had twenty pounds in his pocket and had to work hard to sort of save up and and have a livelihood in in the UK. And then they moved to Australia and in '89, and you know, and had to build everything from there. And so mm. they're able to understand the value of it. They they're not not necessarily they're stingy because. You always had, even if you had 10 cents in your pocket, you still had money in your pocket, you know. But being able to grow, save up, grow your wealth, make the right investments throughout. And, you know, my parents heavily invested in property mm. and stuff, and they're able now to, you know, have a self-managed super fund and, and do all the things with, with that. And from what they had when they came in Australia in 89 and brought that across and grow to what they have now was really a real driver for me to understand that money journey as a teenager and so do you sort of, mm. sort of wanted to follow i guess that kind of route i guess and so you know knowing all that in high school and sort of giving advice to people and they understood and just sort of feeding off you know my parents and their conversations with other people and understanding what the real situation is and so understanding superannuation and understanding investing and budgeting and, and all that kind of thing and it's like oh cool you know and so up to high school i was you know i was pretty good in that sense and then you get into uni, and it's a bit, it's a bit of a different story. You know, I think for me, in my childhood, you're, 
you know, when you brought up on a, on a bit of a tight leash, leash in an Asian household, it's um, <laughs> when you get to university and you get a bit older, you get more freedom, I guess priorities start to change a little bit. As a first year teacher, Australia Uni, you're earning, or back then you're earning 65000 a year. Mm-hmm. So I went from $65,000 to $90,000. I can get a mortgage. I, I, so I can maintain my mortgage and have all this money left over. And so when you sort of, you're seeing all your friends around you and they're like, oh, we've got this car, we've got that house, we've got this thing, this thing, this thing. And you sort of get in your 20s, you sort of whole keeping up with the Joneses thing. And like, yeah. if your friend's got it, you want to get that. If this mate's got it, you want to get that. And so when I got a new job, I was like, cool. I didn't think about it. I'm going to get a new car. So I bought a Mitsubishi Outlander. But dad's like, never buy a brand new car. Never buy a brand new car. That's that's his advice. And it's like, so I got a one-year demo, Mitsubishi Outlander. Um, and it was like, brand new was like 32,000. And I had six in the, you know, I had six in the car yard. You go at the end of the month. They want to get rid of the car straight away. Got them down to 20. Easy. Oh, Done. wow. 20,000? Yeah. 20,000 I got them One year old car. One year old car, 14,000 Ks under belt. Is yeah, it, pretty much. Isn't it's, the stats, yeah. um, I'm, I'm all for buying secondhand cars as well, number one, because that's what I can afford. Number two, because yeah. I heard the stat that um, the moment you drive a brand new car out of the dealership, it loses 30% mm. of its value the moment you drive it out, just because it's not brand new. So that sounds pretty good. You've got uh, you've got thirty percent off in uh, in one year old car. That sounds like a pretty good deal for you, Joel. Oh no, it's good. So with with all that, you know, got the car, got all that, and it's like cool, great. I'm earning a lot. I'm earning a lot of money relative to what I was earning before. I've got these expenses, and also the other thing is I was still paying hex, and so you weren't you know so you weren't earning your full potential. I guess you weren't earning what you could have down the track when I was. Um... You know when you get your pay stub and then you go and see what your pay stub is with or without yeah. hex? Yes. And it's a yeah. significant difference. Oh, <laughs> it's funny because I so I finally paid my hex probably just after August last year, after what, graduating eight years eight years later. And I was like, Thank goodness. It was it was a it was a fifty K hex that I left uni with. Wow. As well. I'm a bit scared and to check so, mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just 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 avoid my gov for a while, you know. Just only, just only, only look at the vaccine proof and not the ATO section of it, you know. That's all you need to do with my gov. Um, no, and so yeah, I was like, cool. I you know started going out more and started spending a bit more money and booking more holidays and stuff. And that's when you sort of fall into the trap of um, credit cards, right? Mm. And especially for me, it's like, cool. I can pay off this quickly. I can get frequent five points. I can. Put everything in my credit card. The intention is to pay off at the end of the month. Like in my and and in, in the whole journey and what I'll talk about is like in my mind the whole time, I knew what the right thing is. Yeah. I wasn't stupid. I know. Well, I was stupid in my actions, but I know what the right outcome was and what the right things to do. Yeah. But I guess when it comes to the thing and you, and you apply it to, you know, your health or your or what you want to do something, you always know. You generally know what the right thing is, but it's whether you get the motivation. And the drive to do that right thing and push yourself to to do that, and that's that's the gap between reality and expectation in there. And then the same applies to finances, but people don't talk about that gap between reality and expectation in that, you know. Mm. And so yeah, so you get a credit card and you sort of you buy things, you pay it off. You buy things, you pay it off. And then oh, you know, I might might go to I might go to UK end of the year. Cool, put the flight in the credit card. Done. I pay it off over time. 
But when you start doing more and you're doing more and doing more, it sort of just sort of creeps up and creeps up and creeps up and mm. and whatever. And it's really um, when I look back at it, it's um, yeah, it was pretty silly by me. But also, I think for me, I had some other external factors that were impacting my life as well. Um, I guess when certain things like mental health is, I'm a big strong advocate for openly discussing mental health issues, especially mm. if I'm teaching, you know, especially all boys and, and removing the things about, you know, toxic masculinity and all that kind of thing and hiding your feelings. And I'm, I'm completely the opposite when it comes to that. Awesome. And, you know, and sometimes in, in life you end up, you know, having to work with difficult people, or whatever. Unfortunately, um, had to, you know, work with someone who was, pretty emotionally abusive and and whatnot to me and that's mm. another thing that I won't just go into more detail with but that was sort of the outcome of that and so you sort of rather than taking the right way about it and thinking oh wait i need to go see a psychologist or the psychologist is going to cost me 300 dollars a session or whatever go to a doctor and try and get referrals and whatever the process to do so and even now is still very difficult to to do so because one you got to go to a doctor, you got to get a referral, then you got to wait for a psychologist spot to open up, and then, bam, you go see a psychologist. And, and that, that whole process from acknowledging to for your first session that's could hard. take three to six months. And that's hard. That it is takes very, very hard. Yeah, and, and that's it. You could, and you got to have the right people around you to support you in doing that as well. If you're not in that, in that safe bubble, you can't do that whatsoever. And so for a while, I, I push that aside. And so if I've found things stressful, during the summer, for me, it was fine because, cool, I can go to my credit club, I can go training, and I'm going to see my mates there and have fun and, and whatever. Great, fine. Yeah. Off-season, I can't handle it this week. And so it got to a point where, great, I'm, I'm going to go to Brisbane tomorrow and just escape Perth for a bit. I'm going to go and do three trips in, in, in over the holidays, or I'm going to do this big, long thing and just forget about everything and not acknowledge the existence. And that comes into spending money and lots of money. And obviously, in that point, you don't think about it. It's like, no, nah, this is my escape route. I need to get out of here. Credit card ban, credit card ban, credit card ban, whatever. And so what came out of that, it was a final debt up to, I think it hit about $30,000 of credit card debt at that point. Is that across multiple it was a cards? Lot. It was across two cards. Mm-hmm. Um, however, so you got to a point where I actually had to sit down with quite a few people, with my family and whoever, and be honest, especially my parents, and sat down with them. It's like, this is my situation. I'm struggling with my workspace. I'm struggling with the financial stuff. You know, you sort of in the point you're sort of living paycheck to paycheck, I guess. In in a way, it wasn't terrible. And I and I and you know, and you sort of you sort of a lot of people who know me don't really know about this, and those who really like very very close to me, Mm. only certain few people know. But yeah, you sort of felt like you're living paycheck to paycheck a bit, but you know you had to support your parents. And so, you know, dad bailed me out, mum and dad bailed me out, the bank of mum and dad bailed me out, and they covered half of it. And and so from that point, I sort of knew it hit a point. And then a friend of mine just had a go at me one day and said, you need to see a psychologist and, and sort your stuff out and go and do it. Just actually go and mm-hmm. get it done. Externally, that's now externally, they could see what was impacting me in terms of my health my well-being, my mindset, it was very dark, very, mm. you know. And so it, in that period when I saw my doctor, got referrals, sort of psychologist, it ended up being about six weeks in the end. So it wasn't too bad. And then that's when things started shaping up quickly and started moving. And so you sort of acknowledge what you can – I think the biggest thing is now is like what – and I guess in finances, what can you control? 
what can't you control? Mm. And that's where you start taking care of things that you can do. So obviously paying off the credit card debt as low as possible. And so now from when it was $30,000 at one peak, it's now down to about three, 4000 at the moment, but also got a big chunk of savings that I can just write off. If I, if I want to pay off the card completely, I can. It's fine. I don't need to need, feel the need to travel as much as I do anymore. You know, I think the pandemic was a big driver, and I think the pandemic was a massive driver for a lot of people to sort their stuff financially out. Mm. I think you see the growth of a lot of huge in terms of savings rates went through the roof. You know, you're, you're seeing saving rates of hitting 20% in Australia, which you, which is never never seen before. You know, you're seeing people looking to invest in different things. You know, um, right across the board in in, in property and shares and crypto and all that kind of thing, because people like. We can't travel anywhere. We can't go anywhere. A lot of people were actually, apart from those that lost a job initially and but was supported by JobKeeper, those that still had a job said, we've got a lot of disposable income sitting here, but we can't go and spend it at the moment. Let's put that money elsewhere. Let's learn that. And so I feel in that time, and then I, and I was part of that thing. Like, I can't travel. I can't go anywhere. But also at the same time, um, my situation started changing a bit. Just a quick interruption on behalf of WeMoney, the producer of this podcast. WeMoney is a completely free personal finance app that can help you save money. It's free on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, and you can use WeMoney to do a lot of things. Track your spending, monitor your credit score, set savings goals, and look to reduce debt faster. You can also learn from like-minded community members and find out what they're doing for side hustles, how they're improving their budgets, all in one place. And the best of all, again, it's free. If you use the referral code podcast when you sign up, you also get $5 when you connect an eligible bank account. How good is that? All right, guys, now back to the show. So after all that happened, um, we felt me and my parents felt it was the right time to subdivide my property. Ah. And what a decision. What a decision that was, honestly. So um, we, so obviously, and again, like my privilege here is like, I'm lucky to have parents in that position to be able to fund the initial mm. um, subdivision costs. Yeah. And then the cost, they'll bring to get the cost back later on down the track, right? So I subdiv- I subdivided property. That initial cost of subdivision that ended up being at $60,000, which they covered. And then I sold. So it was a front house that was still there. Got two blocks at the back. Split the box into two. Sold one block to my brother. Got the money from him. Keep it in the family. And Love your work. House. Keep it in the family. Well, it's going to be funny because <laughs> mum, I think mum's just watched too much Everybody Loves, Loves Raymond and she just wishes she was Doris Roberts and, you know, just be able to knock on the door, get your food, and then she puts her hand for the thing and just touches your head, you know, that, that type of thing, you know. Um, I feel that's mum's dream, to be honest. Um, all of, and then it's funny because my youngest brother's now going to m- buy the front block um, and moving into that next month, so we're all going to be back in the same – we're all going to be neighbours again. Um pretty soon all three of us and my parents um but no so so yeah so we built a house and we built it just before just the before we all finished before end of 2020 so we got in the right time where we're not we're not waiting 18 months like some people are we're not facing um housing collapses of building companies on the country. it was just mm. the timing was right and sometimes you just need a little bit of luck and it just all comes into place for you and so house was built Rented it out, my mortgage, and then so the other thing I did for my parents was, I um so I sold that front house to them, the one I originally had, mm-hmm. and market value was maybe five hundred. I sold it for them for two hundred, two ten, whatever. I don't know. I sold them for a very cheap price, and and then that paid down my original loan, and and then so my mortgage got cut in half. 
easily, right? So, I was, from what I was paying two seven, my mortgage repayments went down to one three, and I was like, "This is great," Huge and I got saving. equity in my house. Yeah, mm. and with the growth in the, in, in the in the rental in the housing prices at the moment, my equity's gone through the roof, which is which is amazing, mm. right? But it's funny how you start taking one action to try and take care of your life, and everything just sort of falls into place one by one by one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a if we don't acknowledge the problems that we do need to face and we don't take the right actions and not do the things that we can, we, if we refuse to do the things that we can't control or we can't control, then it's just going to keep building up and snowballing and snowballing and snow, snowballing. Yeah, of course, the government needs to sort of get its act together a bit more and, and deal with these issues and make mental health more accessible, put more funding, maybe put psychology, um, you know, sex psychology access onto Medicare, for example, you know, oh, make it a lot easier. Unreal. In that sense. It'd be a dream. It would be a dream, right? But in terms of in terms of my personal finance journey, it's um, yeah, I'm I'm very open about that. And so to be able to see a full recovery from that point was was remarkable. And I think you forget to look back at the journey daily. Sometimes you have those days where you're just like it's frustrating, whatever. You just take a step back and just look at that whole journey that you've we've gone through, and look where you are, look where you were, to look where you are now. And and that's not just mentally or physically, whatever, but even financially is a big deal. And it all starts with doing small things. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rule of one percenters. Build up, build up, build up. You know, if you want to save $10,000 in a year, you only need $27.40 a day. Mm. You know? It's, it's, a bit, it's a little bit small. And so do what you can, control what you can, and then let it slowly build up. You know, some people say, oh, I don't have enough money to invest. Oh, I don't have enough spare money. It's like, if, if you're investing $50 a week, that's fine. Do that. You know? But I'm also... I think one of the things that upsets me a lot is you see a lot of people. I know, I you know, I don't want to be attacking any community whatsoever, but some people say, "Oh, no, you need to be in your twenties and you need to be able to invest early, invest now." You know, financial independence, retire early. I'm like, I know that's a big point for everyone. We want to retire early. We want to achieve financial independence. Yeah. But everyone goes through their own journey. Where there's no one size fits all thing. So I, I don't like people shaming other people because they're not at the same stage as what they are yep. through that. And I think we, we forget that each one of us is unique. Each one of us is different. Let's figure out our own journey first before we start worrying about anyone else. Yeah. And so, and, that, and that's what I tell, and that's what I tell people. I tell people who've been in similar financial positions or people who have no idea of no financial literacy. They have friends of mine my age who still struggle with the financial concepts that in terms of, you know, superannuation and, and mortgages and all that kind of thing. Cool. Don't treat them like idiots. Treat them like give them, give yourself the opportunity to teach them and teach them what you know. And then also I think the value point is making sure they don't make the same mistakes as you. Mm. Because I think the last thing we don't need is if we're not sharing that information around, we're going to see that intergenerational, inter- intergenerational wealth gap just expand and expand and expand. And it is going to expand. Because we see the housing prices now. We see some people you know, who, who have to buy houses and, and not what they want. Some people won't be able to afford a house. And we need to be able to reduce that. And so giving people more access to education, giving the people knowledge and the power to make those decisions is going to make our lives easier. And we're going to see less tensions in regarding that. And so a lot of work is going to be done by everyone. Like I got really angry last month when 
you know, there's an article, I think, on WA Today saying there's the lack of financial education in Australia. I said, yeah, that's fine. They went and asked a comment from the education department, and the education department said, oh, no, we do already enough in maths and, and business subjects. Like, no, you don't. In in the current maths curriculum in, Australia, in WA, all they do is look at share prices and, and how do you recognise dividend yields and how do you calculate that. What's that going to do? You don't know the basics. Mm. In business management, it's like, how do you, how do you set up, a, how do you sort of understand motivation theory? How do you understand change management? How do you understand um, marketing? Yeah, great. Good that you understand how the world works, but it's not going to directly help you at the smallest level. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing state and federal governments copping out. We're seeing schools can't do it because they already stretched the limit. So you can't put the resourcing to that. So where the, where the thing here is like we – I have a bit of, I feel I have a bit of stewardship, stewardship here where here's some way I can help you right now and push you towards the tools that can help you in that sense. Yeah. Look, Joel, I think you've got an incredible story because your story mm. from what I've just listened to, such an amazing arc of a career all the way from your childhood. It sounds like money found mm. you when you mm. got that cash yeah. register and it's been a pivotal focus of your life. But also I think your personal story is... Um, is one which people don't often talk about. So I think yep. the first thing is incredibly uh, thankful for sharing that story because I think people mm. listening on today's show will say, hey, that is me. I have been through this. I have been through credit card yep. debt. I've been through decisions with my parents when it comes to money. I've been through issues where I'm facing mm. my own psychology and making decisions. And we, and we, and we see, I think, from your story, Joel, is that everything is interconnected mm-hmm. uh, in terms of that overall journey through life. But I think the thing that is very inspirational is that you came out the other end of that with this mm. degree of self-awareness, knowing there's yeah. limitations with maybe the uh, education that you might have received from you know other parties, and you took it upon yourself to learn, and now obviously helping others learn more about money. Mm. You know, what are, what are some of the big you know, takeaways that you've got from this? Was there ever a moment where you stopped and said, hey, this is like a real pivotal moment for me in my life? Was there that one sort of defining moment where things sort of turned around for you? Or was it just progressive and it just happened, you know, over a, over a long period? I think it was mostly progressive. I think that's what I think there was no one sharp moment. I think apart from maybe sitting down and I think, well, actually, yeah, I think it was end up being progressive. Like the stuff that I needed to do to sort myself out and, and mentally and physically and all that kind of and I did that. And I guess with that financial journey, that sort of just sort of came along with it. I guess. So at the forefront of mine, it wasn't really about the financial stuff, but it was ending up being a byproduct of that. Unfortunately, the way the world works is that we do need to rely on money and finance and, and that, and that's how we're going to get by in the world. And so everything else sort of took care of itself in that, but you need to acknowledge your, yeah, have that level of self-awareness, being able to have, be self-aware, being able and be, or being aware of your actions and then make the changes from that. And so it was, it was like little bit by little bit by little bit by little bit. And then that's fine. That's fine. And it doesn't matter how little it is, it's still going to grow. It's going to compound and you're going to learn and you're going to learn well from it. And so I think what I suggest to everyone is just sort of just take, take a step back and really think, write things out, journal them out, you know, set out what, what, what is your final, final financial position? You know, if you can't write it down, use, you know, use a wee money app and just sort of get it all in, into one place and sort of see that bigger picture from there. Because I ask people, like, do you know your credit score? No. Do you know what your net worth is? No. Do you know how much you're leaking out in, in terms of unnecessary expenditures each week? No. So these are small things that you can do and then make the small make the actions after that and let it build out from that. But I guess overall, I guess it was a gradual process. And I think those that end up 
doing well out of it and it ends up being a gradual process. You don't expect success overnight. Joel, if there was something that you could go back and tell your younger self in regards to money, finances, or even the stressful situation that you were facing at work, what would your message be? If you could, you know, send, send yourself a little two-sentence text, what would you be saying to, oh. um, to younger Joel? It just works out and it'll work out. As long as you can control what you can control, it'll all work out. I don't think you can have it. You can't really complicate a message. You can't say, don't do this, don't do that. I think for everything that I experienced through, it just took me to where I am in the end. It'll, if, as long as you're self-aware and you know what you're doing and aware of what you're doing and you control what you can control. I know it's all cliched, but it'll, it'll work out. It all works out. I might be 32 and, and it worked out. It took me the last two years to realize it's all going to work out in the end. And more so, yeah, my finances worked out. My mental health has worked out. I'm more confident in my identity and who I am. You know, all, all that so pieces, awesome. all, all that comes together. And, and I think that's it. I think we just need to back ourselves a bit more and, and don't let be, don't let us be dictated by other people in, in what they want for us. Because you only, you only can really be your own judge and no one else can judge you. So do the small things, be aware of who you are and what you're doing and, and then make the small changes to make yourself better. Be the best version of yourself because it all just worked out in the end. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There are times in my mid twenties where I felt it was, no, nah, I'm not going to get out of this. This is the end. This is, it is, that's, I've, uh, you know, there are times where you think you're a failure. You think there are times where you think you, um, you're just at the lowest point ever. And no, it, it's, especially when you, you are at your lowest point, the only way is up. That's right. And so it, 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 it all works out. It, it will all, I think guess the, the takeaway of this is that it all works out in the end. Back yourself, it will work out in the end. Amazing story. It sounds like your dad was also quite a pivotal person in your life because you mm. referenced him a few times. Did your dad yeah. ever tell you that quote or did you come up with that yourself? I think dad probably did it in his own indirect way. And I look at, you know, look at how my mum and dad been through life and, and their, their setbacks and then they've, they've had setbacks in their lives as well. And, you know, my mum lost her father very young and dad was one of seven, you know, in his family, you know, it's sort of wow. like the battle, the pushing, the working hard, you know, and, and literally all they did was hard work. They, they did what they could control. Like my dad, my dad pushed for, uh, you know, you know how some of the parents are, I walked eight miles to school and it took all this time to get there. And I went, how oh, you kids, you know, they'll go through that. But then they realized, no, it's, it's, um, you look at their stories and what they did, you know, dad played cricket for Malaysia. It was very successful in that. And then oh, he wow. had to give that up to, um, to study in the UK, and it was pretty. It was pretty close to playing county cricket in the UK before I did go back to Malaysia and marry my mum. It's um, it's pretty funny <laughs> like that. But yeah, and, and but they 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 made calculated risks throughout their lives, like you know going to study in the UK, um, moving to Australia, you know starting the small business, starting another small business, um, you know having three kids. I mean, bringing up three boys is a it's a task on its own. Mm. So obviously they know this stuff. They've they've lived the experiences. So why would you not listen to your parents? Like. You know, if you, if you know, if, if they achieve what they are at that point and they've been through an entire journey, you you trust the words they say. I know not everyone has the same experience or whatnot, but you can't turn that down. Experience is your best teacher out of it. So yeah. I guess that's sort of what I said before. It probably in, indirectly comes from my dad, and that's probably the, the overall um, makeup of it all. That's what I took out of it from his, mm. his learnings, mm. I guess. 
That is absolutely amazing, Joel. I think we've gone absolutely, you know, full circle here today. We've gone through everything, right? We've gone through uncovering about money when you're like a little kid, mm. to growing up, to adulting, to getting real, to making critical mm. decisions when it comes to money, to how external factors affect our emotional well-being when we make decisions mm. and big critical ones. But also there is a bright future ahead. And I've got to say, uh, Joel, I think Blaze and I have been, you know, incredibly proud of what you've achieved over the course of the last year, you know, with your show, History of the Money, and helping everybody learn more about, you know, money in general and this wonderful world of coins. I think you can almost see the full picture of who you become as an individual and how it's almost your destiny from that entire backstory. And I'm so glad that, you know, Blaze and I got the opportunity to learn uh, more about your background. Any final words of wisdom, if there's anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with today in terms of your your experience? I think we've all done. I think I'm not talking just purely from a financial perspective. I think back yourself. That's probably the best thing I can say. Back yourself. Be confident in who you are. Be confident in your identity. And and let as long as you can control the things that you can control and you be self-aware, back yourself. I think for so long I let too many people get into my head, too many people in my mind, question who I was really. But when you actually truly embrace yourself and be the person that you really want to be and follow your passions, follow your, your desires and all that kind of thing, you're automatically going to be that the best version of yourself. Yeah, it's going to take a bit of hard work. It's going to take some, I guess, some harsh lessons along the way. But if you continue to back yourself and do all the basics, it will work out in the end. Joel, I'm so glad you said that because I, I, I put myself on mute before and wrote down a little note because it inspired me and you said it earlier, back yourself, it will work out in the end. So, Joel, if that's uh, if that's what you say, you know what, I believe it. Hearing your story has been really, really inspirational. So thank you. And thank you for speaking so openly about how you did struggle with your mental health and how that actually had such an impact on your finances. I think that's quite relatable. You know, you're stressed. You just want to spend money and make yourself happy and, and get out of that situation as much as possible. So... Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your story. And uh, Joel, as always, if our if our audience wants to find you in your fabulous money jumper or dancing all over TikTok, where <laughs> do they go to find out more about you, Joel? Um, yeah, so you can find me on TikTok at the history of money or on Instagram at the history of underscore money because some person decided to take at the history of money on Instagram. So oh. I'm going to settle for that. Shaking so the those are the two places that you can find me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Shaking my fist at the sky Dang on behalf you. of you for that. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll pop links for those in the show notes. Seriously, if you're listening, you. follow Joel. He is so much fun. And as you've heard today, he is just an absolute delight to be around and to having a feed. So thank you so much, Joel, and have a fabulous trip to Melbourne. Thank you so much, Blaze and Dan. I really appreciate you guys. I always enjoy talking to you guys. And yeah, take care. Cheers, Joel. Thanks. Thank you for joining us all once again for We Talk Sense. We love having you join us. It is always a pleasure. I hope you learned something new today and also got inspired by Joel's story like I know Dan and I did. And if you want to get in touch with us, then feel free to head onto Instagram at a handle GetWeMoney and drop us a DM if you want to learn something new or introduce a topic that we've never spoken about before. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See everybody next week. Catch you later. See ya.